the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll on. Hey, welcome in. Welcome in. Glad to have you on this edition of Other Side of Texas, broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash Studios. And might I say, I'm playing through the pain, playing hurt, don't know what's going on virally, but I'm rolling along here. In the Racer Car Wash Studios, Racer Car Wash voted Lubbock's best wash for five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations across the Hub City for the best wash around. Guaranteed RacerWash.com to find your best location there. Big show ahead of you today. Texas Tribune's Ross Ramsey up here as we broadcast live 12 minutes from now. And then Thomas Mooney of News Sling. We're going to have some new candidates for bumper music on the program. Excited to have Tom Mooney out to tell us about the latest in Texas music. Also have Daniel, the digital guru, in studio. Daniel, how are you? Doing great. It's a beautiful day in West Texas. Lovely weather. You're going to have to talk a little bit louder. Oh, okay. It's great outside. It's really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Good weather. Got my slides on. I'm feeling good. What slides? Slides are like slippers. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not wearing shoes. Daniel, the millennial guru. I am. I'm no. an older millennial. Okay. So A more refined millennial. My taste has been refined over the years, for sure. Okay. Um, Daniel in studio with us. His mom, see, he's real. I told you that he's real. Uh, Daniel in studio with us. This is where I want to start today before we get into Ross Ramsey. Going to bring you the latest on. I had somebody call me today and said, you know, what they told me was if you really want to know what's going on, you got to listen to the other side of Texas. I appreciate those compliments. Uh, what's going on in state government right now, we're going to get into with Ross Ramsey. State government matters more than anything else. And uh, it affects your day-to-day life more than anything else does. Um, and we stay on top of it here. But one thing that is really just... I've heard, I heard this a lot last week whenever I was in Austin. Kel Seliger, state senator in Amarillo, he's a free agent. That's the term that I continue to be heard about Kel Seliger. Now, listen, here's the deal. Kel Seliger is worth, I believe, I believe he's worth a couple hundred million dollars. And if you're worth a couple hundred million dollars, I hope that you're a free agent. Daniel, if you are worth a couple hundred million dollars, dollars would you be a free agent yeah i'd probably have a a burrito shop and you know maybe own a liquor store or two and then free agent yeah and then i would probably have something to do with maybe not the sod poodles but like the the great amarillo actually i'd bring the armadillos back 
I remember seeing them with, when I was little. With your force. Yeah. You would bring the armadillos back. We'd have two teams okay. in Amarillo. Right. We'd have the armadillos and then side poodles. So this is my argument, is that guys who have represented this region from the Caprock to the Panhandle have always been, they've always been free agents. Now, just hear me out. George Mahon. Let me tell you a couple of stories about George Mahon. George Mahon was a U.S. congressman in this area from 1935 until 1979. He's Jody Arrington's original predecessor. When it came time for then-President Lyndon Baines Johnson to get emergency funding for the Vietnam War, he had to go through the appropriations chair. Who was the appropriations chair? George Mahon. George Mahon voted with his party 60% of the time in his last two sessions. Now, you could say that's because Texas was turning. You can say what it is, but it's always been free agency. That's my point. What did he do with his free agency? He put together a little deal. The president called him and said, hey, we need money for this war in Vietnam. And... Uh, George Mahon responded and said, well, I need some money for my farmers and producers to uh, get some ag products to export, to which the president responded, are you telling me it's going to take an interstate out of Lubbock for me to get my Vietnam money? To which George Mahon said, yes, that's what it's going to require. Uh, President, and I'll spare you his lividness, but uh, might have dropped, might have dropped a GD, and said, "I'll call you back in thirty minutes." Thirty minutes later, I had twenty-seven. LBJ calls back and says, "You've got your interstate now. Give me my money." That's how I twenty-seven, one of the shortest interstates in America, came to pass. Now, what about the other ten miles that just went to the north side of Lubbock? What about the ten miles? that stretches across Lubbock. George Mahon worked with that terrible, awful Democrat, Tip O'Neill, leader of the House during the Reagan administration. Tip O'Neill made a deal with George Mahon, raving on, as he was, George Mahon, that he would support the Underground Railroad System, an Underground Railroad, excuse me, Underground Subway System, I almost went Harriet Tubman. Oh, yeah, that was really confusing for a second. But also really exciting how, because it was a long time ago, you know. Yeah, different era. Okay. Uh, That he would support the underground subway system in Boston if he got 10 more miles of interstate across Lubbock, which would be the extension of I-27 from the North Loop all the way across Lubbock as it dwindles down into 87 now. There's an excellent documentary about the um, subway in Boston about how it was just a giant open pit for a really long time. But do they talk about George Mahon in that? I don't know. And they Disservice did, to the American people. And they didn't make the Lubbock connection, so... It took Lubbock to make it happen. Really? And that's what West Texicans do. And... That's my point, is that George Mahon, for all those years, emblematic of most lawmakers in this region, a free agent, 
Delwyn Jones. I could make the case for Delwyn Jones ad nauseum. I could also go into, and I will go into, a cotton farmer in Hell Center. His name was Pete Laney, who was a free agent and worked with, he worked across the aisle. And it's almost like Plinko in reverse. Plinko from Prize is Right, like Plinko in reverse, works its way across the aisles and then and then makes a good policy point. And that's what Pete Laney did over and over again. And that's how he was elected Speaker of the House. And that's always the bellowing cry on this program, is who will be the free agent? Because if you're straight-line partisan, you're going to be a West Texacant, not a West Texacan. And that's the cry that we need. And it's not just... Like, I get down on you, Daniel, is like the digital millennial guru. That's true. But you and your cohorts are the future. That's true. Like, where does millennial go to? Like, you got to be born in what year? Uh, I think from, like, hmm, maybe 85 to yeah. 1999. Okay, so I'm 79. Okay. So, I've got a listening base that I think, and you have to look at the demos for me, but majority of who listens to us on the program, because you go through all these numbers, right, is about my age and younger. Yeah. Okay. Generation Y. Yeah. The wires. Here. Yeah. But it takes a West Texacan to get things done, and... Those people have always been free agents, quote-unquote free agents. And I could go through a dozen other names that you probably wouldn't recognize. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to talk to Ross Ramsey coming up. What's going to happen with Kel Seliger and where he's going to... He's been the chair of higher education in the Senate. Fairly powerful seat. Going to see where he lands in the next few days as the Senate announces their appointments. But... You got to be smart. You got to be shrewd to sit at that table, and you got to be a West Texican. Um, and those are all labels that I would use above free agent. And that's where I want to start this edition of the program. Going to get in with Ross Ramsey coming up right here after this quickie break. Stick right with us on other side of Texas. Cross that old red river. This is what I saw. I saw miles, miles of Texas. All the stars up in the sky. I saw miles and miles of Texas. Gonna live here till I die. Go out to the phone lines. We have our friend, the one and only Ross Ramsey, Texas. Tribune, Ross Ramsey. How are you, buddy? There you are, Ross. Sorry. How I'm doing are you? great. I'm doing great. What's going on? We were one button away from hitting you on cue. Uh, Just that close. Yeah. That that close. You went to the inauguration. What were your takeaways? Uh, well, I noticed that the first thing I noticed when I was out there was that there was a hedge in the middle of the median and so the people in the ut band couldn't see the people in the aggie band and vice versa mm. so we kept we kept them from fighting riot protection where was the tech band i don't know i guess they were in lubbock or you know 
I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Eating hamburgers at the White House. I think uh, they were not eating hamburgers. They were there. I know that. <laughs> I saw picture evidence. Going to have to call was, the president and the chancellor after the show. Where were the bands? How many How many would you say were in the UT and A&M bands? About you know, they, were, they, they actually had small bands up there. They were probably, you know, 50-piece Small for so, small for university bands. I mean, all all three of those bands can put a mob on the field, but you know they were small concert bands. Um, so we and, can't uh, we can't it, put fifty people up in Lubbock. That's what we're introing with here. Is why can't we bring fifty from Lubbock? You know, let me know how it goes. Okay. <laughs> it just it was it was interesting. They did you know they did a couple of things differently. They did it on the north side of the Capitol, which is. Um, Unusual. It's usually on the, you know, usually when you see things at the Texas Capitol, they're on the south steps of the Capitol facing down Congress Avenue. This was on the north side facing University of Texas. And the argument was that the sight lines are better because there aren't trees on that walk. So for whatever reason, they put it out there. Oh, was that um, a political issue? Why is it on this side of the building? No, it was just, you know, it, it's like anything else. If you do something for, you know, a you know, decades and then change it. Everybody goes, wait, 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 what are you doing? Um, no, it wasn't a big deal at all. It was actually a very nice setup and, um, they had a good little deal and, um, Abbott and Patrick got sworn in and spoke and then everybody kind of went home. The house came in today. The Senate came in today for the sole purpose really of, uh, passing resolutions that said they won't be back until Tuesday of next week. And, you know, the legislative sessions in Texas start the same way roller coasters start. You kind of go real slow, and you go up this really slow hill, and nothing happens for a few minutes, and then it goes crazy. Yeah. And we're in the we're in the hill climbing part. Yeah, a lot of people asking questions, Ross, about, like, especially in the midst of a government shutdown. And people tend not to disconnect the two, but you've got lawmakers in texas who've been dismissed today uh through tuesday i believe on the house and senate side and asking why are these people still getting paid when there are federal employees who are not still getting paid apples to oranges but this question still resonates they're getting paid six hundred dollars a month they get another piece they get what's called a per diem a daily rate when they're in town so, you know, one way to do this would be to say they get the $600 whether they're in session or not, and they don't get the other money unless they're in Austin. And if there's no reason to have them in Austin, you just let them go home and you don't pay them. Yeah. Uh, so. so let's talk Texas Legislature 101. Uh, one of the first moves that we see is that the House and the Senate, the only thing they have to get done in a legislature is pass a budget. We see the House's initial proposed budget. I don't know how many other adjectives I can use to say this isn't the budget, but it's the initial proposed budget. Um, Has a certain amount of money for public education. Some say seven, some say nine billion for public education. The Senate coming in at 3.5. What do you make about that discrepancy? Well, first of all, what do base budgets matter? And secondly, what are the discrepancies in the base budgets matter, Ross? It's a, you know, think of a budget 
you know, works like all the other legislation, but it's a complex one. It's about a thousand pages long. And think of this as a 140-day negotiation. And the first thing you do in a negotiation is say, here's my proposal. And the other side says, here's my proposal. And then you sit down and you start knocking out the differences. And you start, you know, the first thing you do is you lay in, in the legislature is you lay out your proposal for the people on your own team. So if you're in the House, you lay out a House budget so that the people in the House can fiddle with it and change this, and I don't like that, and let's put this over there, and they do their version of it. The Senate's doing the same thing somewhere. It usually happens in late March or early April. They finish their versions of the budget, and each sends their version to the other House. And then they start negotiating between the Houses, and, and you know the House will eventually vote out a budget, the Senate will vote out a budget, they'll go to a conference committee, which is five people from the House and five people from the Senate, they'll really hammer it out, and at the end of it, we always get a budget. It takes a while, but you basically say, here's our first opening bid, here's their first opening bid, and that's where we are today. Okay, so what about this incongruent? Now, we're going to get into how the big three are singing Kumbaya right now, but right. there's a lot of difference between what the House has laid out in, and this is how I'm going to put it, and correct me if I'm wrong, my political mm-hmm. counselor, Ross Ramsey, it seems like the House wants to bolster the public institution that is public education, and the Senate simply wants to bolster the employees of that institution. Is that a wrong way of looking at it? Because they're a long ways off, billions of dollars off. Well, yeah, I mean, the only real difference, there's two big differences. One of them is they're using a different number. And that's really just, you know, how much does the Senate want to spend? How much does the House want to spend? And that's the beginning of a number negotiation. And the second one is how do you want to spend the money? And the House has been relatively less specific and the Senate has been pretty specific about at least a part of this. Um, and the Senate has said, let's spend $3.7 billion of the money that we're going to give to public education on $5,000 raises for each teacher. Now, if you were in the, in the House budget and you just said, let's spend a bunch of money on schools, a bunch of that money is going to turn out to be part, it turn out to be teacher pay. The Senate's just being specific about it. Right, you don't spend money. You don't send money to the students. They don't get checks. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know you were going to spend it on something, and it, it may well be that the house's version gets spent on teachers just as well. So you know the governor is talking about uh, something else that you know both the house and the senate are open to, which is uh, rewarding schools financially that perform better, where the students do better, and you know. Um, you know, maybe giving them a little bit more money for this or that. And, you know, there are going to be a couple of questions. You know, the broad questions are how much more money are you going to spend on schools? What are you going to do in terms of changing the way we distribute the money we spend on schools? Here's a dollar. How do we spend it? Or here's $2. How do we spend it? You know, that's the school finance part. Are you going to spend enough state money on schools to lower pressure on local school property tax rates and maybe even up the share of the cost of public education that local taxpayers and state taxpayers 
pay. And, and all of those questions are interlinked, and both the House and the Senate proposal and what the governor has said, you know, less specifically, are, are elements of those three big questions. Ross, what do you think is a bigger issue for people right now? Now, I'm going to ask you to take on your own poll analysis here. What's a bigger question, standardized tests or property taxes? Property tax. Okay. More right. people pay it. Uh, the you know if you do standardized testing and talk about it, the people that are emphatic about that one way or the other are really emphatic about it. But you know they tend to be they're not all, but they tend to be parents and educators, and parents and educators, school parents of school children and educators are outnumbered by property taxpayers. Uh, Ross Ramsey, at Ross Ramsey on Twitter as we carry along here. Um, I want to ask you this for people, especially people who are listening live and listen to the podcast, Ross. There's a discrepancy of $17.3 million in the House versus $4.1 million in the Senate for mm-hmm. the vet school. Um mm-hmm. In the base budgets, again, we're back to base budgets. Um, But that's a pretty wide diversion between those two on that particular issue. Now, we just got done talking about public education. We're billions of dollars apart. But on the vet school, we're millions of dollars apart. um, Some 13 point whatever million dollars apart. How does that play out? What, what, it's going to be part of the. It's going to be. I mean, it's going to be a negotiation. And sometimes those small differences, oftentimes those small differences are harder to reconcile than the big differences. If I'm talking about a big difference like three billion dollars in schools, that's spread out over so many districts. It's a little bit hard to say. Well, if the House wins this, we have to fire that guy, and if the Senate wins it, we get to keep him. You know, it's not that specific. When you start talking about particular programs like a vet school in a particular location at a particular time, when you fiddle with the dollars in that, that's a direct budget. That's a straight up, you know, you're arguing over, in this case, whether or not tech is going to have a vet school. And, you know, whether they're in the budget or not, you know, there's partly the you're in the budget, there's partly and you get to spend the money and you're authorized. And as you know, as well as anybody, the whether tech gets to have a vet school is still very much in the air. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take that. So tell us, Ross Ramsey, what do you make about the kumbaya between the big three, the governor, lieutenant governor, and the Speaker of the House? That sounds like something a reporter would say, kumbaya Yeah. Yawn. <laughs> you know, we like it when they fight, right? Um you know, I, it's interesting. They are making, you know, really pleasant noises about each other. I think we're all on the same page. I think we're all talking about the same thing. We all want the same stuff. And, you know, that has happened before. It's been a while. I mean, they've been kind of testy up here for a while. And, you know, it's interesting to see the top three in Texas, whoever they are, starting off nice. It's been a while since they did that. The question in a legislative session, again, it it almost doesn't matter who the players are, is will they be able to hold this? Is it going to be, is it going to survive everything from the fights over things like the vet school to the fight over the debate over or the negotiation over, whatever you want to call it, 
school finance and property taxes? Is it going to survive if, you know, the governor wants a particular thing that the lieutenant governor and or the speaker don't want? I mean, there are a bunch of ways to uh, slice this. One way to think about the Texas Capitol is that, you know, that building was built for fighting. It's, you know, we don't have wars anymore. We have debates and we, you know, we have these votes and everything. And things can get pretty heated over there. And even if you're in a good mood and even if you're working with friends, you can get sideways. So right now there, you know, everything looks like a Hallmark card or an after-school movie or something, and it may remain that way. Uh, It would be unusual if it did. But right now they're all saying nice things about each other and about each other's ideas. Okay, so I never ask you to be the predictor, at least not explicitly. (laughs) But if things fall apart... Not every week you don't. (laughs) Give me me the over-under on where things would fall apart. What date would you say this is where things fall apart between the big three? You know, I don't know that I would predict that they will. It may be that they get all the way to the end. The session gets more and more difficult as it goes on. Maybe not get, April you know, 2, Ross. Maybe not somewhere in there. You you run against deadlines, and you start running out of time, and you start getting down to brass tacks and people getting exactly what they want and people settling for something else. And that's when tensions get high, and that's when tempers rise. And these guys may be so focused on school finance, property taxes, teacher pay raises, you know, school safety, that they avoid all of that. And only the only thing I'll predict about it is that that usually, that kind of um, togetherness usually doesn't completely hold. Okay. Uh, one last little question for you. Let me peek, uh, pick your brain a little bit. I've gotten quite Kyle just texted in. It's been a question on a lot of people's minds here in Lubbock and the surrounding area. Has A&M ever offered up a flag football game and bust lawmakers to Kyle Field to play this game, free beer, this way and that? Yep. Okay. It's happened before. Yep. When was the last time it happened? They had a guy... Um... I, you know, this is a pretty regular affair. They had a guy in the Texas House who was a former pro football player named Scott Turner from Plano or from Frisco. He was from Collin County. And I remember, I believe it was two sessions ago, everybody came back from that game at Texas A&M. And, you know, you basically have a bunch of normal humans out there with an actual athlete, and apparently he ran them pretty hard. <laughs> so, yeah, that's been going on for a while. Okay. So it is par for the course. Ross it is Ramsey, par for the course. At Ross Ramsey on Twitter every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on TexasTribune.org. Ross, any other things we need to know about out here? No, I think, you know, the this this slow start is nothing unusual for the legislature. They've got the budgets out. You know, there are going to be plenty of people, you know, during a quiet weekend. It's a long weekend here with the Martin Luther King holiday and everything. Um, and the slow start because the House hasn't named committees yet. The Senate, I'm told, is on the verge of naming committees. Um, but it's a regular slow start. But there are plenty of people up here who are digging into those House and Senate budget proposals and taking them apart. And that's really where the um, 
that's really where the work of the session is, is in that budget. It's the main policy document of the whole state government. What do you think? Do you think Kel Seliger holds on to higher education? I don't know. I'm fascinated by this. You know, the Senate has... By Seliger in in general? You're you're fascinated I, by Seliger? I'm fascinated. You know, I've, I've known Seliger for a long time. He's a, you know, fascinating guy. I'm, but I'm fascinated by the situation and the politics of the Senate. Dan Patrick doesn't have the margin and the solid and the 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 bigger Republican majority he had a session ago. He's got a one vote majority, and it wouldn't pay to make any of those Republican votes angry. So it's going to be very interesting to yeah. watch how Republican, he waltzes through Republican his votes committee in thing. the Senate. Right. Yeah. Um, right. I so just, it's just going to how does he how does he waltz through this? And I I think that's going to be. You know, that and the one open committee chair he's got, which is Health and Human Services, after Charles Schwartner's, um, you know, who's been involved in a sexting scandal, uh, said he didn't want to hold on to his chairmanship. So there's one open chairmanship, there's this new political situation, and there are a bunch of, you know, political nerds like you and I out here waiting to see what Dan Patrick's going to make of the Senate when he does his committees. He has Ross Ramsey at Ross Ramsey on Twitter. Check him there like I do. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, texttribune.org. Always a pleasure, Ross. Thank you, buddy. It's always fun. We'll talk to you next week. All right, partner. Going to get into a quickie break and get in with our friend Thomas Mooney, maybe a little Daniel the Digital Millennial, a little bit more from Daniel. Stick right with us here on the other side. The whole thing hits me like a song. today and now we have with us in studio thomas or tom uh it's either way okay i'm I'm gonna call you thomas out of deference thomas mooney at underscore new slang there on twitter and we're gonna talk about some texas country music glad to have you with us here buddy well thank you uh yeah it's been a minute since uh i was over here yeah i don't know i can't even remember when it was about Four or five months ago, people always give me compliments on their bumper music, and I always defer back to, "Well, tell Thomas Mooney <laughs> that you appreciate the bumper music here on the show." Uh, how things been going? You're always following the. You travel a lot? Uh, not really. I mean, just around here in West Texas. I'm from Fort Stockton, so I go back every once in a while, go down to the Big Bend area, but uh, yeah, it's mainly up here. Yeah. So, but you follow a lot of Texas musicians. Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, I just do a lot of uh, writing about music that's coming out of the state, Americana stuff, some stuff out of Nashville. But it's um, not always country. Yeah, yeah. Just like Americana stuff. I mean, roots music. Um, just whatever your your, I guess whatever people think of of country. Uh, I know, like a lot of people think Nashville's horrible, but there's some stuff that's good that's coming out of there, so yeah, just uh, writing about music from the area and Texas and and, tell everybody where you do that from uh, well, I have my own website called New Slang Lubbock which is kind of closer to just some of the stuff that I New Slang, tell how people can get to it Thomas, well I mean it's NewSlangLubbock.com I've been writing some stuff over at RollingStoneCountry.com 
Um, nice. Yeah, just some other places like that. I mean, you can find me, find anything that I write at on Twitter at underscore. Yeah. New slang. Uh, so we've got some music that we want you to take us through. This is stuff that you sent me and said, hey, you need to be listening to this. So I just want people to be prepared for the kind of, I don't want to say that you're the two old men in the Muppets who critiques every <laughs> chord and, and every line, but you know a lot about music. And go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I hope I'm not the two old men in the Muppets either. Waldorf Even though... and Historia? What are they? Waldorf? I, I will have to look it up. Go yeah. Ahead. I hope I'm not that way either, but um, maybe like in 30 years I can be that yeah. angry old man the angry old man uh so thomas some stuff that we want to get into with you on is um flatland cavalry yeah um flatland they're uh originally from they 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 started up here in lubbock uh cluddo the lead singer he's from down in midland i think they've all kind of graduated from from tech now so they're kind of local or I guess centrally located in Fort Worth now, just to make it easier on on touring. They have a new record out coming out this Friday called Homeland Insecurity. Um, yeah, they're just kind of one of the the big buzz bands of the scene, if you will. So we're gonna go to their lead track on their new album, mm-hmm. and it is "Come Back Down." Yeah, and I'm just gonna play these, and I want you to take listeners through what their ears ought to be perking up to as it distinguishes particular styles with particular artists. Yeah, sure. I'll let it play a little bit so people can get get a taste of what it is. Hell, I can't get out of this chair Yeah, so, uh, like, Flatland, they're really kind of... Well, this is their second record right now. Um, you see their their palette, their sonic palette, kind of building a little bit more, expanding. Um, I've always kind of compared them to, like, a, a blend of, of Josh Abbott and uh, a band that you played just a minute ago, Turnpike. Uh, they kind of have that sound. It's especially in the fiddle. Um, and, and Cluddo's songwriting is very uh, Evan Felkery. Of, of Turnpike, it's it's very similar, um, but they they also have, I, I think what they they've always kind of build themselves as is uh, easy on the ears, heavy on the heart. So it's kind of that uh, light pop blend, I guess, uh, that you that you kind of see from Josh. So uh, yeah, again, look, this record's coming out Friday, so it's that's how I got my wife. 
was uh, <laughs> easy on the eyes, heavy on the heart. Yeah. Yeah. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I like these guys already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the first one too. Yeah, he's uh he's done. I guess like they have two records and an EP, and Scott Ferris, who's a, a local amusement uh, park studios, yeah, a yeah, local record studio. They've stayed local. That's one of those things that's really interesting. Is that Flatland is really uh, a ba- a band that's really blown up, and yet they stayed local in in a lot of their production and like I guess the the. Uh, the business operations of the band, yeah. you know, they've they've stayed local and uh, stayed in a comfortable area, I guess. Okay, Flatland Cavalry making its play to new bumper music, Daniel, on the program. Yes, sir, I'll get that down. Okay, uh, Flatland Cavalry. We have our friend Thomas Mooney at underscore new slang on Twitter in studio with us. Next one, Charlie Schaffner. Yeah, Charlie Schaffner. He's like a old Lubbock guy. Uh, originally from Illinois, and um, yeah, this new record of his it comes out Friday as well. Uh, he's living over in around the DFW area, and uh, this new record I can't it's it's I'm blanking on who uh, co-produced it, but I know one of the co-producers was Josh Abbott actually because they're okay. good buddies. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe the song I sent over to you was Lever Wild. I liked Billy Creek better, but oh, let's well, listen okay. to... Oh, okay. You want to play Billy Creek? That's cool, too. Okay, let's play Billy Creek. Yeah. Because I thought that was... You know, you run an afternoon radio program. You want people to be jazzed about what's going on. I think that this had a good beat to it. Yeah, yeah. Though he's hiding from the feds all Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the uh, influenced by all the corruption in Arkansas back in the, I guess, the 80s. Just listen to the song. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's kind of the, no tell. He's on the run. He did write this before that Tom Cruise movie. So. Charlie's from around here. Uh, one's from West Virginia, one's from Illinois. Uh, one's a little bit more, uh, I guess, like Charlie Stout during Christmas. This is a great way to describe Charlie. Uh, is, you know, obviously during Halloween, he, he turns his name to Snarly Stout. So, I mean, if that is not an apt description for, for that Charlie. But both with, great, both great songwriters. So, Charlie, with Charlie Shafter, uh, things that that pique your interest on him. Well, you know, on this new record, um, and he's always kind of been this way. He's the way he describes things that are. When I, I was guess yours just, and you were mine. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a new record title. Yeah, it's a mouthful of, of words. Um, he, he just always has a, an interesting perspective on how to describe something that can, you know, just be casual or typical that everyone goes through, but he's coming at it at a different way. Um, a lot of abstract kind of descriptions and stuff like that, that, uh, I mean, I think it's one of those things where when, you, when you're remembering something, sometimes you attach something that is just kind of a an off description of, um, the one I'm thinking of right now is just the new season of True Detective. Um, he keeps on mentioning it was Steve McQueen died that day, and it's just something that attached to a memory, right? And in a lot of ways, Charlie's always uh, attaching that just something that happened that that you just can't shake to a memory you know mm. uh, even though it may not be the most important thing hmm. charlie shatton so you were with him you've been with him yeah charlie uh he, like he like i said he he lived here in lubbock for a while he's uh he's considered one of those lubbock songwriters blue light the blue light all that kind of yeah. yeah okay we have Thomas Mooney at underscore news slang. You can check out his podcast. Yeah, the new slang podcast. Um, I have not had a new episode in a minute, but um, yeah, I mean, I've had. How long have you been doing that? Oh, I don't know, maybe 18 months or so. Really? Yeah. There's a lot of people podcasting right now. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I'll have to check yours out, man. Yeah, definitely do so. It's just like, you know, about one hour interviews with different artists. Uh, coming through town, so I know because I've tried to have you on the show before, and you're like, "Oh, I've got so and so in the studio." Like, well, that's a lot bigger name than me. Go <laughs> rave on, buddy, rave on. Uh, let's do one more, and then let's take a break and get yeah. you back in. Uh, this is "Cold Country" by Charles Wesley Goodwin. Uh, get listeners queued up on this, and then you can break it down. That's nice. Yeah. He, uh... I really like that. This guy right here is, uh... He's from West Virginia. I'm going you can tell that Appalachian darkness as far as the, the richness. The there's a lot more stuff going on, I feel, like, musically, sonically. That kind of represents that Appalachian sound. And signs, fading far behind. Cold country. Cold country, West Virginia. I'm thankful for the sun to die. Didn't bat down from a federal fight. Where the lead lies still and the smoke still rises on the Blair Mountain side. So the album is Seneca, Charles Wesley Goodwin. Yeah, he's, put that low in the background. Let you talk about it. Yeah, he's got that. Uh, it's either one of two things right there. With a name like that, you're either a serial killer or a songwriter. You know, the three, <laughs> the three name Bill. Uh, yeah, again, like he's from West Virginia. I feel like you, especially on this new record. It, this one comes out February 15th, I believe. Um, 
you just you have that richness of like the the West Virginia Appalachian sound. Of course, there's a a difference in the fiddles between. If you notice on this and, and like the Flatland stuff, the Flatland stuff has more of that upbeat kind of uh, in kind of a way like closer to like the Western swing version of of what you'd use with your fiddle versus this, which is just a little bit more of that bluegrassy kind of sound old time um yeah this record like i said february 15th there's a lot more upbeat stuff on here but he 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 does go into a lot more uh just storytelling about west virginia and uh you know the i guess like the some more social commentary and a lot of connection yeah between that part of the world and this part of the world yeah yeah definitely so I did my ancestry DNA, and that's like where my ancestors came from. Mm-hmm. Was from Appalachia down into Missouri and yeah. down into Texas. Yeah. Well, uh, I've slept since then, but Charlie Stout, he, you know, he's from West Virginia. Who we were talking about a minute ago. He's uh, I can't remember what book he was reading and whatnot, but they, I guess, like. I'm going to mess this up. But essentially, like, West Virginia and West Texas are about as close as you can be uh, as far as, like, what the, the people were like. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, one's flat and one's Rocky Mountain. Or not necessarily Rocky, but, you know, Appalachian Well, I Mountain, think that like, if you know. everybody, did, everybody here did an Ancestry DNA, whether or not they'll be enrolled in government records, I do not know. I, I give that <laughs> disclaimer. Yeah, but I think that you that. would find a lot of um, a lot of Irish DNA, a lot of a lot of the same DNA from Appalachia mm-hmm. out here. Uh, hey, let's catch a quick break here and get back in. Three more songs to break in with our friend Thomas Mooney at New Slang. Check out his podcast. We'll be right back here on the other side of Texas. Have with us in studio Thomas Mooney running through half a dozen songs here. We're at song number four, Jamie Lynn Wilson, and this is Death and Life. Yeah, this is like seriously probably top three song of my for you right now as far as like top three favorite song of last year because this was released last year yeah so uh really really great record let's check it out and then you break it down for us I still feel like a wife, that's the way that it is. 
So tell us a little bit about Jamie Lynn Wilson. Okay, so Jamie, um, she, you may be familiar with the uh, the band The Trishas. Uh, it's it's kind of like a super group of uh, four female songwriters. Um, she she was in that band for a long time, um, and I, they they're technically not disbanded or anything. They just don't play, but a couple shows a year, they all kind of uh, been more concentrated on their their solo stuff. This new record of her jumping over rocks, uh, it was released back in the fall. Um, I believe Charlie Sexton is the one who produced the record who. Uh, was a guitar player, or I still think he is uh, a guitar player for Bob Dylan, and he's gotten really into producing a whole lot of records now. Like he's producing the new uh, Ryan Bingham record that's coming out in, in February. Uh, but yeah, Jamie, she's a songwriter. She lives at uh, I, I don't even know where is it. Uh, I'm bad at pronouncing this. Uh, Dehannis, Dehannis, Texas. It's a little s- small town outside. Between San Antonio and like Uvalde. Um, anyways, yeah, she. Uh, this record right here, there's um, a song called Oklahoma Stars as well mm-hmm. that uh, she co wrote with Evan Felker like that one a lot. on Turnpike. Yeah, her version is really, really great too. You may throw that on for some bumper music yeah. at some point. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just really love the way Jamie writes songs. Uh, she's a very kind of Guy Clarky kind of feel. Hmm. Um, nice. So good pull there. Yeah, great voice, really strong voice. You know? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um. To your point, let me yeah, speed it some... up a little bit. You try and make it last. We were Oklahoma stars. Yeah. Just by laying yeah. In the grass. Folks can expect and that to make the bubble music. She's how old? Collide. Oh, I don't know, probably mid-30s. Does she know that you're writing for Rolling Stone? Yeah, I mean... Is she single? No, like, she's like a married woman of, like, four kids. I wasn't insinuating anything. Actually, you know, uh, her her husband, um, here's a a great little cameo for for you. um, In the music video for Turnpike Troubadours is Gin Smoke and Lies. That's her husband, who's like kind of the the brooding husband in that music video. So. Oh. All right. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, Canyon Joshua Ray Walker. Play some of that, and we'll get into some critique with the Rolling Stones. Huh? Like that, <laughs> Thomas Mooney. You have something you want to say? No, I was just going to say, yeah, he writes for Rolling Stone. It's pretty awesome. Not shabby. It's just cool for me because we were both at South Plains together. So we were on the newspaper. But my feet yeah. can't the take me far. I mean, if I had stuck with it, I would this never have made it to the Rolling Stones. So. So I've talked with Charlie about going back and teaching one of those, um, teaching a class as a, as a guest speaker sometime. Oh, yeah. Just that would be awesome. They would love that. I don't get close to edges. I'm afraid that I'll make I'm a big, big man Not just in size or in stature And turn the space that can't be filled I'm a bottomless canyon Without a drop to spill That's a nice line He is a big man 
Right yeah, he's a Canyon. Canyon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is his first record, Joshua Ray Walker. Uh, he's from around the Fort Worth area, and um, yeah, he. I don't know if, if there's like a an artist who I could see blowing up and getting some really big national recognition. I think it'd be it would be uh, Walker over here. Uh, he could have like a I don't want to necessarily say like a Chris Stapleton type rise or anything, but you know he he could definitely be uh, an artist that you um, may not be able to see in. A year's time, six months' time, you know, mm-hmm. without having some having to go to a bigger market, I guess. Uh, yeah, this is off a, a new record of his called "Wish You Were Here," which is out at the end of the month, January twenty fifth. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just really like the vibe of this record, and just as he's your up and comer. Yeah, I I could definitely. I know that like you can't really put odds on on any of these like. On what the what the next yeah. quote unquote Who's big thing is, fire? but I mean I would I'd say he's he's got some potential to yeah. really rise. So another female artist, Ashley McBride, um, girl going nowhere. Yeah, this uh this record came out last year, um, and she's she's been around for a while. She's uh up in Nashville. I can I think she's originally from Arkansas. And um, I know she did a co-write with Garth Brooks recently that's supposed to be on his new record. Uh, or maybe he covered a song, something like that. But, yeah, I don't know. I just She's got, like, a a really what I would kind of describe as just kind of like that Heartland kind of rock sound. Um, I know some people probably don't like him, but Eric Church kind of has a little bit of the same vibe. Uh, some people. I mean, I know. I, I think, like, <laughs> Church, is, there's nothing wrong with him. But... Okay, so Girl Going Nowhere, Ashley McBride. And also, uh, when I, whenever I checked out what you sent me, I really liked A Little Dive Bar and Dalinga. Yeah, I mean, that's a great I song, too. I think it's in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, as I Googled it and looked it up. But here is Girl Going Nowhere, Ashley McBride. Don't waste your life behind that guitar You may get gone, but you won't get far You're not the first, you won't be the last And you can tell us all about it When you come crawling back That road you're on just winds and winds you're spinning your wheels, wasting your time. But when the lights come up, and I hear the band, and where they said I'd never be is exactly where I am. I hear the crowd, I look around, but I can't find an empty chair. Not bad for a girl going nowhere. That's an interesting turn. Yeah, I mean, this is like that, uh, it goes down that classic kind of, classic country trope of, you know, being the the songwriter who 
everyone tells you know stop doing that because you know it's not going to be a great yeah uh <laughs> you know you're going to fail basically right um i don't know like what's that travis tritt song going to be somebody yeah you know it kind of has that you same kind of sing it yeah go ahead yeah i'm gonna be somebody <laughs> someday <laughs> yeah go ahead you know uh bad company i guess had a song shooting star uh I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of one of those classic music tropes of being told, you know, don't try, don't, you're going to fail. And, uh, I mean, that's why the whole, you know, girl going nowhere. Usually, how many times uh, have you met people who try to be a musician and then, you know, just kind of either give up because life catches up or because, you know, they're not that good or they're, I don't know, just uh, other things get in the way. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, tell us more about how often will you be writing for Rolling Stone there, Thomas Mooney? Uh, I don't know. It just kind of depends on what they want and what they like that I, I don't know. My ideas, it's one of those things where you, you so much of journalism now, especially in the music journalism, journalism stuff, is it's all based on pitches. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, you uh, everything's freelance now, and it's kind of... Uh, you're just pitching a whole lot of different ideas to people, and you feel like it's harder on, to pitch from Mid America. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there was been are a they couple, more interested? I, I mean, I think it's helped that Lubbock's music scene has been kind of important lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of have boots on the ground. I just kinda. wonder if you look at it. And I'm not asking. you. I think it would definitely cool. help if I was in Nashville or yeah. Austin or LA. You do see? I would disagree because of this. Because everybody missed Trump. Like, Vegas missed Trump. Everybody missed Trump. That Trump was going to win because they didn't have an ear to the ground in middle America. Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't know that in Texas he was going to win by nine. Like, what's that about? But then he was going to carry up into the upper Midwest all the way up into Wisconsin, right? Mm -hmm. So... It seems like we're missing on all levels, not just politics, but music, arts, and etc. Like, it's surprising for me to hear you say, maybe if I were in Nashville, or if I were an editor, I would want to hear somebody who has their ear to the ground in mid-America right now, because that's what's driving the country's policy, effectively. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's definitely part of it, but I would also say... You know, everything is built on relationships, right? Yeah. And, um, I mean, obviously with the internet, email, social media in general, it's easier to connect with people. Um, but also, I mean, sometimes it takes shaking the hands of the people that you're working with or like that you're meeting that, that actually kind of helps you get in with certain places. I'm not trying to shine your boots. I'm just saying, (laughs) even, even if I hadn't. Even if I hadn't shook your hand, I would say there's stuff going on out there that we don't know about. So maybe we need to get to know about it. Maybe I'll go shake his hand if even if he doesn't know who I am. Yeah, but I mean, I I think it's it's just when I say that it's just because of uh, like Nashville is the the quote unquote country music capital of the world for a reason. It's because people go through there. Yeah. So like, okay. um, now now I, I would, I think that it's important that 
I, I did start out here because I did meet, like I said, all these Lubbock songwriters as they were coming up. But if I uprooted and moved to Nashville now, all those people are going through anyways at some point. Uh, and that's, I don't know, it's just part of, it's just a bigger hub, I guess. Yeah. Unless somebody I knew, who is it, uh, Daniel the Digital Millennial, we gotta started come up with a record better. labor. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got to come up with a better tagline. Because <laughs> it's like the digital guru, people are going to call me about their emails or something. But no, I, 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 mean, dig, I dig it. If I dig somebody it. could put together records here. You know, yeah, man. I mean, I would love maybe to. Maybe a Buddy Holly studio ever came to fruition. Hey, I, look. I would love to, you know, get some people recorded and... But help them release music. Until then, other side of Texas.com, other side of Texas on Facebook, at OSTX Show on Twitter. And if folks want to get a hold of Thomas Mooney content, they can do so where? Uh, go to NewslangLubbock.com um, and then on Twitter and every other social media thing, it's underscore Newslang. You can follow me on everything there. Appreciate you coming out, Thomas Mooney. Hey, well, thank you Good for stuff, inviting always. me. And uh, with that, we are for Ross Ramsey, Daniel, the digital millennial guru. Yes, sir. Thomas Mooney, got to get home. Going to get home. Great family, above average dinner. Waiting for me at the Ponderosa. Until next time, Rayvon Buddies. Rayvon, an extended edition of the program here. Appreciate you tuning in and sharing with friends. We need to get those. We need a few more ratings. Uh, go in and put your comments on our yeah. podcast. Rate us on like iTunes. Download the podcast. That's where the future is, my friends. See you next time right here, other side of Texas. Shipwreck on the mountain, rubbing and all the outlaws. It's who we want to be. Belly up and just make it, and two step on the rain.